Happy Game of the Year, Xbox. Thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast, January 27th, 2021, Wednesday. Your host this week, myself, Lee, and Reed. Hello. Reed, this week I am wearing the sweatpants. Ooh. Yeah, you're back at work, slaving yeah. away, making, <laughs> uh, shuffling more coal into the into the fire. Wow, thanks. Uh, you got... You got your new PC. I do. You've been a tour de force, uh, playing all kinds of new video games. Yeah. Let us know about them. Um, I've been playing a lot of what I said I was playing last week, so listen to last week if you want an update. Modded the fuck out of Skyrim and uh, went back into that. But most of all, um, I would say the biggest update would be the fact that I purchased Hades finally. Um, there you go. Yeah, I was looking for something to play last night. I was like, fuck it. I don't normally play games like Hades, uh, but I'll give it a shot. So I did, and it's really fun. It's really good. Uh, yeah. I'm not too far into it, so I don't have a lot to say right now about it. Uh, besides that, it's a really enjoyable game with a unique death mechanic in that it gives you more story content the more you die, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Um, which... and, and the game like references things that, a- as you play more... So the thing I, I just have to say is, like every time you fail there'll be something new added either a new character will show up and talk to you or some new game mechanic will be added and you always feel like things are moving forward even though if your progression in the dungeon has been yeah. relatively minimal yeah so, and that's uh that's good yeah, yeah so uh very much enjoying that can't wait to get back to that tonight and play some more uh, i checked out the resident evil 8 demo the village on the weekend for playstation 5 yeah. because i'm one of the lucky few apparently a combat-less uh, demo of Resident Evil Village. That's correct, and very, very few encounters. Um, so do you want my general thoughts on that? or? Well, we know your general thoughts on horror games are not for you, uh, <laughs> so I was I was curious to see that you had decided, actually, to to fire that thing up well, yeah, and I, meet the tall vampire lady. Yeah, I asked a couple people, I'm like, hey, if I stream this, would you watch? At least one person said yes, yeah. so I said, yeah, fuck it. I'll, I'll do the it. The bar set really low. <laughs> At least one person said they'd be there. So. <laughs> yeah, so I downloaded it, and I plugged it in, and, well, just first of all, the game looks fantastic. Oh, my God. Yeah. That uh, engine's fantastic. Yeah, I have found out um, that my TV does not have 120 hertz capability, unfortunately. Um, oh But it is 4K, so it still looks fantastic. Uh yeah, uh, yeah. like I said, the game looks absolutely stunning. Just the detail on the fire and looking at, like, a pot of flowers, I was fucking blown away. I'm like, this is, like, the true next-gen experience that I've seen since Demon Souls. Uh, so they, uh, when they did the event for Village, it, it will now also be coming out on the PS4 and the Xbox One. And people are like, uh-oh, we got another cyberpunk situation, but... That engine has worked and looked that good on PS4 yes. and Xbox One already, yeah. so I'm less worried about that. Yeah, absolutely. Resident Evil 2 on PS4 looks fantastic. Um, I just think the game looks even better on PS5. It's just fucking gorgeous. Um, the the noises, just, it was breathtaking. Um, scared the shit out You're of me in the beginning of the demo. Uh, yeah. You start out in like a jail cell dungeon, it's very dark, and you hear lots of things drop, and that... Like it was getting me. Like I wasn't. I didn't. I had no desire to play this game. Um, <laughs> once you get to like the second section of it, when you go inside the mansion, you hear a bunch of like fucking monsters or something behind you rattling cages. And I was just nope, 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 nope. Uh, so as far as the demo goes, actually, the only thing you encounter is the two ladies. One of them near the end, and one of them at the very end. After you do some very light puzzle solving. Uh, so it's very peculiar to me. 
is that they decide to make the villains of this game uh, these two attractive females. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like like I I don't want to say versus Wesker. <laughs> yeah, it's not a ba- it's not a bad yeah. It, well, it's not a bad thing because we did like bug rednecks. We've done scary monsters and Red is an evil. We've done anime villains. Like what do we have left? And they're like, little hot ladies. And it's like yeah, like why not? Uh, the internet uh, made porn of that vampire lady faster uh, than any other character I'd ever seen. I, I doubt that, Lee. <laughs> it, uh, you know what? It, you, right. But, like, think of Bowsette. Think about that one where it was just, like, later that afternoon. You're like, what the fuck? Were people just waiting for this to fall into their hands? Uh, but, yeah, no, it's... Uh, it's whatever, to each their own. Uh, the characters and the storytelling and the and the whatnot of Resident Evil is all the fuck over the place, but this seems to be a follow-up to Resident Evil 7. Yes, from my uh, understanding, wh- it's the same character, Ethan. Yeah, and he probably was a soft reboot boot in of its own, right, yeah, and kind of. But, and, but Chris, not, yeah. it's not really, though, because Resident Evil 7 is a direct continuation of Resident Evil 6. It's in the same canon. So, right, and Chris Redfield's in this thing and was in the last one, Yes, too, right? he was so. in the DLC for the last game. So in the same universe where Chris Redfield was punching boulders and, like, right. suplexing zombies is the same one where Ethan... Shooting is in... a rocket into Wesker's eye. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same one where, like, you're playing as Ethan trying to, like, run away from zombies with a pocket knife. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, that was really You enjoyable. never played, like, the action Resident... Like, you never played 4, 5, or 6, nope. either? Nope, never played a single Resident Evil. Huh. It's yeah, uh, those games are Resident, they're more tense than they're scary. Yeah, Resident Evil is my favorite uh, watch but don't play series. If that makes sense, there you go. I love, and that's probably for the best because usually the games control like shit. Yeah, so. I just like watching people play the games. It's fun, but uh, yeah, that's basically what I have been going on. When in Rome, you had the PS5. The demo was right there. You did us all a solid, and you. Uh, I watched you play through most of it. By the way, I skipped around the video a little bit to the good bits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's but definitely I, yeah. I saw you. There's definitely upon. a good 10, 15 minutes on my YouTube of that video of just me going, "Where the fuck do I go? What am I doing?" <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, that's the game, though, right? So yeah. speaking of uh, where the hell do I go, man, uh, wife's been playing Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, for which I have only stepped in to help with the trials. I don't know if you you, you platinum that game, yeah, so I obviously you did so all I the got, trials. Yeah. Uh, I Like, not to humble brag or anything, but man, I'm stepping in, uh, having not played any of that game outside of those trials, and I'm, I'm hitting those trials out of the park in one try. It's like, I, I watch her play over my shoulder, I'm like, okay, I understand the controls, like, I was sitting there for the tutorial, I remember all this, I know what, I think I know what to do, and then you get the controller in your hand after hours of not playing it, and you just execute, and you're like, yeah, that's, that's what I fucking thought it was, uh, so that's <laughs> kind of fun, but then I've been playing Octopath Traveler on the side, motherfucker, I thought I had broken that game. I thought I had figured out the jo- the sub-job combinations and the ability combinations to make a elite group of killers. And I get to the, the final chapter bosses, and some of them are just fucking mopping the floor with me. You know a JRPG is getting difficult when you start to consider one of your party members, if they can be an evasion tank. Like, what if they didn't get hit at all? What if we make <laughs> the thief into the tank? And, and hopefully that'll... It's... Listen, uh, that game has a lot of content and i all the all the people anything anyone has to say about that game is absolutely founded where it's just like oh but there's nothing that holds these characters together there's no overarching plot uh some of the some of the characters seem to intertwine their sub stories going into the end where there seems to be a, a nefarious plot 
Uh, whereas some other ones don't seem to have anything to do with each other whatsoever. There's the traveler banter thing, depending on who's in your party. You can have some banter between the characters and you can see relationships forming. But there is no, aside from the ending, there is no, like, you know, camaraderie between these characters. It's strictly a build your, your fighting squad here using a traditional kind of Final Fantasy-esque job system. And then uh, steamroll this weird puzzle game in the form of a JRPG turn-based game. Uh, right through the end, and it's it's. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm I'm doing some grinding now, just so I can get through these last few bosses, man. I want to be the person that beat Octopath Traveler, <laughs> and uh, like it looks gorgeous. The music is great. the The whole presentation of this game is is in many ways very close to greatness. Like, yeah, they need to bring it, it back for a more traditional uh, format of a JRPG, honestly. Yeah, because, like, it's hard to say that there isn't content in this game, which is, it has voice acting, it has all these huge uh, subplots, and, like, you find this one town where uh, there's, there's like, a, a whole market area, and all these guys have, like, specific unique items, and you're like, oh, shit, these are, like, items I've been looking for to complete these other quests in other towns, but all you get for that is items, weapons. Uh, I learned, coming back to the game now, that the idea is to min-max my stats using the sub-jobs, so... If my scholar is subjob cleric, that's great. He's got access to like uh, nuking magic. He's got access to healing. Uh, he's got this huge MP pool that never runs out because of all these abilities I have. That's fantastic. But he's only got one weapon slot for a staff. If I put a warrior or if I put a hunter or something like that as his subjob, now he can hold a spear and a bow or something like that. And those can have additional elemental attack boosts. Like, you can get spears that are shitty spears, but they're great to put on a mage because they boost your magic and stuff like that. Now that I've come back to the game with that, uh, and I'm doing, like, twice as much damage on average, and I'm finding really ways to min-max and get my way through the fights quickly, the game is a puzzle game. Uh, all, the, all the enemies have different weaknesses that, that cycle out. Uh, you have to put together a party that can quickly take out those weaknesses, and then dump damage as fast as you can. And I've been watching people speedrun this game because I'm on holidays, and, like, what's time? Let's just, like, like if I'm ever going to watch a speedrun of Octopath Traveler, it's now. <laughs> and people critical path that game and can beat it in 47 minutes. And there's a, a the fair bit of RNG, of course, to deal with in any JRPG uh, speedrun. But fucking goddamn, can you... Is there, like, a critical path through that game uh, that, that you can take and, like, avoid getting all the other characters and stuff like that? It's crazy. It's a, it's a very neat game. Too bad... Uh, like, it needed that little extra something. And let me tell you about a game that does have that little extra something, Reed. I beat Yakuza Kawami 1. The credits play with a Japanese woman singing, swing, uh, 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 what is it? Uh, Save a Wretch Like Me. Uh, uh, what the fuck's that song? (laughs) Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, so uh, I, I moved on to Kiwami 2, and my idea was I was going to bounce between Kiwami 2 and Yakuza Like a Dragon, which Nick in the Warehouse is now playing, and he says, everything I've heard, it's true. Uh, he looked at me like Harrison Ford across the room, the tears in his eyes, and I'm like, oh my god, I need to play that game, but I got so sucked into Kiwami 2, man. So this game's using the Yakuza 6 engine, which was the first major leap in making the Yakuza games feel good to play. Which is kind of a mean thing to say, but as a brawler, there are much tighter 3D like beat 'em ups. Uh, but man, this new—they they add like a physics engine to the game. So like when you hit a heavy enough hit, like your enemies' bodies just go limp, and you can just run up and like soccer ball kick them around the street into bikes and shit like that. 
uh, throwing guys through plate glass windows into restaurants and stuff like that. This, this stuff did not exist in Yakuza previously outside of cinematic moments. So I'm having a ball just with that game being as crisp as it is compared to the previous two games I played. But also, the fucking story, man, in these games has been great all along. My biggest gaming regret is I've been fucking sitting on these Yakuza games. They're enthralling. The overarching plot and some of the inside jokes in these games, the idea that Kiryu... And you, for as much Yakuza as you've played, you understand the kind of stoic character Kiryu yes, is. Yes, he's, he's got a heart of gold. Uh, he'll, he'll always stop to help somebody on the street. Uh, he's, you know, he's a criminal. He's done hard time. He's, he's murdered people. Uh, but, you know, you can trust Kiryu to watch your kids or something if you're going into a grocery store. Um, this man has been prepositioned on the street to become a male model in every video game I've played, every Yakuza game. And now that you start stacking up the games, you start to see, like, the overarching... Like, the joke. Like, the fact that, like, the joke keeps coming back. That Kiryu has been involved in two scams, basically, to be a male model before. But someone approaches him and tells him he looks good. And he's like, hey, you know, maybe I should get into this. This guy can get suckered into almost anything. And uh, he's such an endearing character. And I'm to understand Ichiban from uh, from Like a Dragon is even better. Because he's not stoic. He's much more over the top. Yeah. And uh, more of a fanboy of everything. Uh, so it's, like, the two extremes. But, man, I'm getting sucked into that story in Kiwami 2. Plus... They have the hostess bar side story where you run a hostess bar and you, like, level up your girls and you do sub-stories and quests on the street and then sometimes those characters come into your your hostess bar. And then to understand there's the real estate thing uh, comes in later with Majima, which I'm also looking forward to. So basically, two sub-games within Yakuza Kiwami 2 that are going to fucking suck up all my time. But goddamn, uh, do I have to shout out those games uh, and and feel sorry that I, that I haven't played them for this long. I'm, I'm playing this game and I'm trying to imagine the scope of it on a PS2, which I've I've never played the Yakuza games on PS2. The first Yakuza game I ever played was on PS3, and already kind of looks like it does now. Obviously, it doesn't look quite as good. This game's absolutely gorgeous on the Yakuza 6 engine. <clears throat> but I can't imagine the, the scope of these games on a PS2. I feel like I've they let that pass me by, uh, experiencing that. So, uh, I had to ask you, did you play... Were you saying you were playing Warcraft 3, or you were saying you've never played Warcraft no, what? When was that? I've played. You were talking about playing RTS games, and I thought I was talking to you about Warcraft at one point. Yes, I have played a lot of RTS games, but yeah, I play uh, Warcraft three. I haven't played it in six months ish, but uh, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so you haven't fucked with that reforged remake or whatever. No. Okay. Well, that's probably for the best because I'm hearing awful things. Man, we got a we got a lineup of news here today. And then we have to do our uh, our awards, right? That's right. The uh, week one of game of the year, which mm-hmm. is all the uh, the runner the the other categories here. But let's talk about this Xbox Live Gold price hike, which uh, started on Friday and ended fifteen hours later. Uh, Microsoft comes out of, out on a Friday morning and says we uh, we're just going to double the price of gold. What? <laughs> double it. <laughs> That was my understanding. I had heard doubled. Real for thirty nine ninety nine. Ninety nine for six months. Thirty nine ninety nine for six. Yeah. So thirty nine ninety nine for six months USD would be in effect. Uh, currently, a year in USD was fifty nine ninety nine. So if you do the math there, because they eliminated, they eliminated the twelve month. You couldn't buy it anymore. So that would be eighty dollars for six. for two years. So not quite doubled, but, but people were not happy about this. Of all the times. To be like, hey, after 10 years, we haven't fucking touched this price. But now, here, a year into a global pandemic, 
after launching a new console that we're saying is selling better than ever and being squarely in third place, trying to claw our way back uh, alongside Sony and uh, the Switch, we, uh, we're just going to double this this service that shouldn't exist Man, I don't know. I I've been like radicalized on uh, this plank. So you just got a PC, Reed. Yes. Let's say you had an Xbox as well for some reason. Okay. And you had Game Pass on sure. your Xbox. Well, now Reed, you have Game Pass on your PC as well. It's a great deal. Game Pass is. So you go on PC and you download some games and you're playing them on uh, on PC. And your buddy calls you up and he's like, "Hey, let's let's play on Xbox or let's LAN or whatever. For whatever reason, Reed, you want to play on Xbox." So you go, and your game pass is there, and the same game is there, but your gold has lapsed, and therefore you cannot play it on your Xbox. You can play it on your PC, but on your Xbox, you're going to have to pay us $39.99 US dollars to, pay the, to, to play this for six months. The idea that you brought this up, like, we haven't changed this price. What a deal. In ten years, we haven't touched these prices. Now, unfortunately, it's time for these. No, we were realistically talking a couple months ago about how does Xbox level the playing field with Sony. And we were like, well, they have to abolish gold. Just make it free. Microsoft has this huge push on PC with PC gaming where you do not pay for gold and you have all the same games available to you. Why the fuck is anyone... like? You get okay, so people start throwing out the extra services. You get games with gold. You get some free games on the side. Uh, PSN Plus, you get some free games, uh, etc. So, uh, Nintendo, you get a couple games. You get the NES and Super Nintendo libraries, etc., etc. But then I just think about buying a Call of Duty game, and you're buying it for seventy nine ninety nine. Let's say on an Xbox, and how much of that game is locked behind a membership that you are expected to still pay, even though that game exists on other platforms that the platform holder you're playing it on supports where they do not charge that price. Yeah, that's it's a bit strange, and it's a, a unique situation only to Xbox in this case. I It's hard for me to really... Like, I definitely it's, get the sentiment. It's hard for me to chime in because I don't fucking own an Xbox. Um, but yeah, right, that's... But sh- like, like Reed, do you feel like you should be paying for, for Sony multiplayer? Like, do you feel like you should be... You know, I feel like you have to pay for every online service. So on consoles, but why? That's just the way it is. <laughs> it's the same servers, buddy. Like it's not even different anymore. This just from from my, from my point of view brought attention to no. We shouldn't be paying close to double for this service. We should be paying next to nothing yeah. for this service. Well, yeah, what the honestly, fuck? like in yeah. an ideal world, but yeah, I don't I don't know what they were thinking doubling that price. I I think that's only something you do if. You have something big to back it up. I don't know. That's that's crazy. Well, people were like, they pointed to Game Pass, right? It's like, oh, well, Game Pass Ultimate's staying the same. So this will force people into getting the better deal. But it's like, that's the fucking most backward-ass thinking. And then to reverse it 15 hours later. But, but for no one in the room to raise their hand when it was first even suggested. It's, I don't get it, man. Anyway, a little bit cross with Xbox on that. Uh, but anyways, it, it is worth mentioning that Xbox Game Pass subscribers hit 18 million. Keep in mind that includes people that buy a uh, box of Pizza Pops and uh, re- redeem the code inside. Right. Uh, we'll like, give you two weeks of... Can a guy like Speaking me- of streaming stuff, WWE streaming content will be made available on Peacock. And I'm just calling it here, within five years, NBC will buy WWE. <laughs> but can a guy like me get Game Pass on PC even though I don't own an Xbox? Yes. Oh, I'll, maybe I'll do that. 
like like look up what's on there it's not one-to-one you, uh pc doesn't get every single xbox game and vice versa there are some games that come out on pc first like gears tactics uh i think flight simulator 10 like i can't put down the service that is game pass because for what you get for the value there's a lot there um I, I do have like a little caveat to that in, in our Game of the Year discussion coming up very, very shortly here uh, when it comes to Game Pass and Microsoft's offerings on there. But goddamn, man, in terms of PC gaming, go, go look at the list of games you get and, and realize how much you're being added month to month. And as long as there's one thing being added a month that you are possibly interested in, it's paid for itself. And that's, that's kind of the story on Game Pass. Cyberpunk's 2077's first major patch hit last week. Reed, we just talked previously to the podcast you're recording that neither of us have touched Cyberpunk since the end of our conversation last week. Yep. I, I don't even know what this... From my understanding, all this patch did was just make it run better. It didn't, like... Like, it addressed some bugs. Like, from my understanding, it, it didn't drastically change anything. They're still just trying to make the game run properly. Uh, yeah, it introduced a game-breaking bug wherein a, a character doesn't call you back for a main story mission. So that kind of sucks. Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, when when the when the verbiage on dealing with a bug like that is uh, make a save and then here's a list of things that worked for other people. Otherwise, please don't play our game right now. That's when your game probably shouldn't have been released. Oh, uh, that's but, fucking pathetic. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons January update will bring back our favorite peacock. Not the peacock that bought WWE, the other peacock. Pave is coming back. And then in March, we're getting Super Mario Brothers items. Reed, I know you don't give a shit about uh, Animal Crossing, so I'll move on. <laughs> Thank you. Vicarious Visions, the makers of Tony Hawk and Crash Bandicoot remasters, which in their own rights were both very well received, have been merged into Blizzard, presumably to work on Overwatch uh, patches for the rest of time. Uh, no, we don't. We, I don't know uh, how this shook out, but those guys no longer exist. They are now part of Blizzard Entertainment. And on the back of this announcement... Uh, Diablo 2 remake is apparently uh, in development at the newly reorganized Blizzard. Uh, so if the idea here is that we brought in the Tony Hawk and Crash Bandicoot guys uh, to help make this Diablo 2 remake so that maybe it isn't as big a farce as this... Well, I don't know if you've looked into this Warcraft 3 reforged or whatever uh, botch job is the word I'll use. Uh, but it's pretty rough. Uh, so they decided to bring in some some quality guys who, who know their way around this kind of thing. Blizzard, man... Between Blizzard and Bioware, that seems like a race for the grave, doesn't it? Uh, more so for Bioware. Um, Blizzard can fuck up all they want. At the end of the day, they still have World of Warcraft and Overwatch. And well, with my thing with Blizzard is just like in name. At what point does does Blizzard stop? Like, because at a certain point, Bioware stopped meaning anything, right? It was like, oh, EA. And the team that was formerly Bioware is making Anthem or is making a new Mass Effect. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bioware used to be a big deal when it was like Mass Effect 2 was out and like they did Kotar and they're like, wow, these guys make great RPGs. Man, I, weird tangent all of a sudden. Uh, I played the first like 30 minutes of Mass Effect 2 yesterday. I've never played a Mass Effect before in my life. The shit and you started with 2? It was free on <laughs> EA Origins, so I said, fuck it. And, like, this game is such an Xbox 360 game, it's hilarious. People's teeth aren't moving, but their lips do when they talk. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, that's my tangent. Yeah, it's an old game. It's, like, 2008 or something. Yeah, that's, my, game that's my tangent. That's it. <laughs> so you, play, you played the first hour? Like, 30 minutes of it. <laughs> so you saw the, the ship blow up? Yeah. 
having no context for the ship or the people on it. Yeah, and that that's why I thought it was fucking stupid because Joker's like, "No, I can still save the ship." I'm like, "It's like like there's no ship to save." And then Shepard says one line, which is essentially, "We got to go." And then Joker's like, "Yeah, you're right." You're like, "Wow, that took little to no convincing to get you off this fucking ship." And then you get rocked. <laughs> and then you get rocked anyway, and you're like, "Fuck you, Seth Green." Yeah, I would say uh gonna play mass effect take a take a run through it uh that first game's a little rough without modifications uh in a a multitude of ways but uh weird choice to to jump into the first 30 minutes of mass effect 2 fuck it (laughs) yeah exactly fuck it just like netflix who will apparently be making a tomb raider anime sure (laughs) that's what people i just want that to ease you in to the borderlands movie news no what Wait, you didn't know there was a Borderlands movie? Who wants a Borderlands movie? Eli Roth will be adapting Borderlands into a movie. Oh, that's so far how we you have... know it's going to be goodly. That's how we know at least not to take it seriously, <laughs> I think. Uh, uh, Kate Blanchett will play Lilith. What? <laughs> and uh, Kevin Hart has been uh, cast as Roland. Are you, are you fucking serious? I, like, listen, I wish... I, I wish I wasn't reading what was on in, in on the screen in front of me right now. Wait, wait. Not that I give a shit about a Borderlands movie, let me, let me but this s- seems like a this seems like a joke. Let me ask you again. Kate Blanchett, yes, is going to be Lilith. Yes, but in a world where Kevin Hart is Roland, then it, then all Kevin bets are Hart off. Kevin Hart is right? like like five foot nothing. Yeah, but there's the Jumanji movie. And he's like, he can be like an action comedy foil. And then, uh, and then, well, isn't Lilith's whole, isn't, isn't Lilith with Roland in the second game? Like, yeah, they fuck. Um, yeah, so he's talking about his dong or no, whatever. No, but like, no, Kate Blanchett is gorgeous, don't get me wrong. Um, but Lilith is like, like 25. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> Roland, How old do you think Kate Blanchett is? Roland is like big jacked guy. I don't know. I I don't. If, and to top it all, if they're doing Borderlands one, it doesn't have a good like. Borderlands one and three don't have good stories, in my opinion. You don't play Borderlands for the story. Two is an exception rather than the rule, in my opinion. I think. Uh, I think the first half gives a great disservice to its story in the second half, where it really changes tone. Um. But in any case, I would never make a movie about these games because that's not what these games are about. Like that's what making money's about. Kate Blanchett is Australian. She is fifty-one years old. Yeah, like I said, she's gorgeous. I just like for Lilith. She doesn't look. She looks not a like. I I understand. At a certain point here, maybe there's some kind of curse. Everybody who played an elf in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings stopped aging at that point. <laughs> Uh, cause I've seen, uh, what, why can I never remember the actor's name that played Elrond? Hugo uh, Weaving. Smith from, what's that? Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Uh, that man also looks like he has an H today. So. Destroy it. Uh, speaking of Lord of the Rings, that Golem game has been delayed to 2022. Sure. Who the uh, fuck wants to play a Golem If you could make game? any Lord of the Rings game, I think we've talked about this. Uh, what kind of Lord of the Rings game would you make? Like open world make your own character go do quests <laughs> why is that always the fucking default <laughs> right 
I guess I shouldn't say open world, but I would like to make my own character and have an RPG action adventure game akin to God of War 2018, perhaps something in that. Okay. So not fully open world, but definitely uh, a little bit of choice to your actions. I would like. I, think... uh, I would like a like a realistic uh, stealth action ranger game, not Shadow of Mordor or any of that shit. Like you're a vulnerable human and you have to really uh, pick your targets, something like that. Uh, this Golem game seems like a pure stealth game, and pure stealth usually lends itself to horror. And while Lord of the Rings can certainly be terrifying in some respects, I would never say it can be horrifying. Um, is Golem the Tatooine of Lord of the Rings? <laughs> no, that would... Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's not nearly as fucking bad as Star Wars. <laughs> Fair. Uh, and then a new skate game is in development. EA has announced uh, the team, so there will be a new skate. Woo! Finally. We can skate again. Read it is time for Game of the Year. Next week, we'll run down our top seven games of the year. That is a top five plus two honorable mentions, unranked. Today, we're going to talk about the old game of the year, the most surprising game of the year, the best exclusive game of the year, the best new character, best moment in games 2020, most disappointing game, most, uh, sorry, worst ongoing series or genre, biggest news story, and most anticipated game. Reed, why don't you start us off with your old game of the year? Uh, it was really hard to pick between the two. I played two di different games last year that are among my favorites. I gotta give it to God of War 2018, though. It was between that and Kotar 2. Uh, but you can't deny just how fucking unbelievable a video game that God of War 2018 is. Recently at work... Have you platinum that game? Yes, I have. Oh, uh, man, that's, so that's tough. <laughs> recently... Not really. The only hard thing about that about that was getting Odin's Ravens. Um, so recently, a guy at the office, Andrew, also completed God of War for the first time. And he's like, yeah, like, I get it now. Like, the game's fucking great. And it is. Uh, the characters develop in very subtle but noticeable ways by the end of it. The story is very intriguing without getting too complicated and always keeping you interested not only in the mystery but the characters themselves. Uh, the combat is solid and, and thick and, and grindy. Uh, the places that you visit are all varied in appearance and design and it's a fucking gorgeous looking game. The music is incredible. I can't say enough, uh, enough good things about this video game. It is one of the in, in my opinion, like I've said a lot of times, I think it's like one of the best video games ever made. If we're looking at wow. it from a from a purely critical standpoint. Waiting uh, waiting for the sequel, either this year or next. Probably next. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lee? What is your old game of the year? Oh, thanks, Reed. Uh, so I, there's a few games I've revisited this year uh, a few times. Th this would always go to Destiny 2, but that is a game I've mostly fallen off of. Uh, this previous year, and I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to give uh, the devil is due with Yakuza, just the series on a whole. Uh, I have never been more invigorated to play through a series as I am right now. Thinking that at the end of Yakuza One, Kiryu is out of of the. He's out of the mafia and he's done. And to think that this poor man's story goes on in five more games, uh, and and all the madness uh, and Japanese wrestlers that await me in uh, <laughs> Gamescom. My old game of the year is just Yakuza, uh, specifically Kwame 1 and 2. All right, Reed, most surprising game of the year? Uh, for me, this is going to be kind of a weird one because it's going to have an asterisk, and that would be Final Fantasy VII Remake. 
and it's surprising for two reasons. One, I thought it was sure. going to be shit from the beginning, and then it turned out that it was awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then the second surprise game when I thought it was going to stay awesome and then shit the bed at the end of the game. Final Fantasy VII right. Remake is the most surprising game of the year for two different reasons, and I just listed them. <laughs> a book, a bookend of surprises. Yes. You're like, oh my god, they did it, and by the end of it, you're like, oh my god, they, fucked they it up. almost did it. <laughs> Fair. Uh, my most surprising game of the year was uh, Hades, in terms of a game that just took me by complete surprise. Uh, so this game is made by Supergiant Games, the guys who did Bastion uh, Transistor, I think is another one of their games. Gorgeous looking games. Uh, highly critically acclaimed that have just passed me by. I, I have never played Bastion or Transistor. Uh, I've heard people talking about Hades. It's been an early access for a long time before coming out this year. I'm like, you know what, motherfuckers? Uh, I got some extra money here on my Switch. I know that's not the ideal place to play it in terms of the visuals, but let's do it. And I was blown away. Um, I was gripped by the the difficulty, the action, uh, the different character builds, the... Uh, it, it becomes kind of addicting that you're like one more run and you never know truly until you start the run what direction that run will, will go. Whether you're like, I think I can make it pretty deep here. Uh, and then as you complete, like read, you're very early on. Uh, but but as you start to play that game, as you get into later runs, your, your run will kind of start to tr- change and evolve around. Well, let me just get as much experience as I can because this build sucks and there's no way I'm taking it deep. Or I think... I think I should just blitz through this and get as strong as possible and head right to the end as quickly as I can because I think I can beat it. Uh, it it's it's great. Um, as as a rogue-like or rogue-lite, I don't know which definition we're, we're looking for here, uh, but it's a fantastic game. And I thought I was, after Rogue Legacy, man, I thought that kind of game was done. I'm like, okay, the randomly generated dungeon thing with the the random character every time. This this there's no one who's going to eclipse this. And here comes Supergiant with Hades. And voice acting and a great story to boot, god damn it, uh to keep you going. So that's my most surprising game of the year. Reed, what was the best exclusive game of 2020? Uh this is super easy for me and that would be the Demon Souls remake for PlayStation 5. There you go. Uh, it's undeniable what a fantastic job. Was it Blue Note or Blue Point? I believe I believe so. Yeah, yeah, Blue Note. So they did an absolutely fantastic job on this remake. It's not a remaster. This is a remake. They completely did all the, redid all the environments while keeping in line with Miyazaki's vision of the game. They didn't change or add anything besides very, very minor tweaks, such as naming items. The game is absolutely gorgeous, if not the best-looking available game to the public market right now, in my opinion. Uh, the sounds coming off, the rain falling, the reflections in the water and the fire, the way your character looks, and the detail when you zoom in on photo mode, it's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, the weapon system changes that they made to make weapons sound clunky and heavy and have a lot more weight than they ever did in Dark Souls, which, like, when you play Dark Souls, it seemed fine, and now it's even better. It's so good to the point that, like, me and Nick at work have constantly, like, been like, man, I really hope, like, they commission them to remake more Souls games, because they could do so much cool shit with this. So Demon's Souls, absolutely best exclusive game of the year, in my opinion. So that's... You would probably know more of this than me, but the the rights for the Souls games, it's like after Demon Souls, which Sony owns some stake in, I believe everything else is Namco. Yes, right? yes. At that point, yeah. it's all just like FromSoft, and they own it. But yeah, Demon Souls at the time, all its licenses were owned by Sony. Uh, so when they made, so when they were minding to make a new one, 
Sony was like, okay, we'll make Demon's Souls 2, and they wanted to make a new one, so they made Dark Souls for all consoles instead. I gotcha. Yeah. All right. My best exclusive game of the year goes to the King of the Family exclusive, and read it's the best-selling console. It's the one of the best-selling games of 2020. Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Yeah, <laughs> I should have guessed. As as most places here in North America were heading into lockdown, Animal Crossing was just uh, gracing the uh, the store shelves. Uh, the Switch outsold anything else, uh, hands down, in Japan this past year. And aside from a little boost in sales at the end of the year, if you combined all hardware sales, maybe PlayStation has it beat. But I think, for the most part, Switch fucking ruled the day. Uh, this game did, like, dozens of millions of uh, uh, eShop downloads, as well as being one of the best uh, sell-through physical games. Even though that we were heading into a pandemic, people were still moving physical copies of this game, shipping them. Uh, and it's a fantastic game, what can I say? Uh, is it the best Animal Crossing game? No. Uh, <laughs> it's not at all. It's it's very good. It, it scratched that itch. It did a lot of what it needed to do for 2020. I think in uh, any other year, you could level a lot of, of criticisms on Animal Crossing New Horizons uh, that it would absolutely deserve. Uh, things that Nintendo continue chooses to do to their games. But fuck it, we can't deny them. The only place you can play this game is on the goddamn Switch. So buy a Switch. Buy another Switch. Buy three Switches. One for every one of the family. Uh, that's the best exclusive game of the year, in my opinion. <laughs> Reed, what is the best new character? This one was probably the most difficult. I couldn't think of any characters that jumped out of my mind that came out in 2020 that I was like, wow, like how fantastically written. I haven't finished Hades, so I can't speak for the main character of that game yet. So in that respect, I went, with, I went with my gut, and I went Del May Cry 5 Special Edition Virgil. Yeah, not <laughs> yes, not for narrative or for story or anything, but he is a new character that you get to play as that was released only in 2020, and he is okay, so fun as fuck. I, I have a confession to make. Hmm. Uh, I have not yet played Devil May Cry 5. Is Virgil not in it? No, he's not. Like he's oh, in, that's he's in the, he's in he's in Devil May Cry 5, but you can't play as Virgil. You just fight him at oh, the end. Okay. But then but this is still Virgil as we know him. Well, yes and no, like Different moveset and everything, but my fucking decision stands. <laughs> Virgil Del May Cry okay. Special Edition, uh, best new character because you get to play as him, and he is really cool and edgy. And this mostly speaks to the fact that 2020 was just a little bit disappointing in regards to the whole story and narrative department. Right. Uh, so my best new character is Abby from the last... No, it's okay. Uh, it's Johnny <laughs> Silverhand, only because I haven't played Yakuza Like See, a Dragon. I, uh, I have itchy. Johnny yeah. Silverhand marked on mine as well. I put Johnny Silverhand slash V or Virgil, and I just couldn't... I couldn't give it to Cyberpunk. It just... It wasn't good yeah. enough. So <laughs> one of the one of the shining things that I will always remember about Cyberpunk, even in its current state, is Keanu Reeves' performance, which is all over the map. Uh, but anytime Johnny appeared in a scene, especially if it was a side quest and you know he he was just there to deliver a one-liner or say something about his nuts, uh, you, you had a little smile on your face. Uh, I think Keanu Reeves uh, will get short shrift for what he brought to Cyberpunk in terms of a like A-list actor being in an A-list quote-unquote video game. Uh, and having that many lines of dialogue being that much of a central character, you see Johnny Silverhand more than you see your own character yes. in this fucking game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just and I think uh, I think he deserves a shout out. Uh, l listen, there's a lot of cyberpunk characters around the periphery that at first w at first meeting them, you're like, oh, this is a fantastic character, but they do so little with them, and they don't stick the landing on so many of those characters that they they 
lose their memorability. Yeah, absolutely. In my, in my, Agreed. Yeah. Uh, but the honorable mention to Ichiban Kasuga, who I have to understand uh, from Nick, uh, is is one of the greatest gems of a new character this year. So, asterisk next to that one. Best moment in games 2020, Reed. Oh, this one was super easy for me, and this would be the Storm King boss fight from the Demon Souls remake. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. Fuck the Storm King. It's... It's taking full power of, in my opinion, the PS5 at the moment. You you will go into this huge uh, cliff where there's fucking pouring rain, and they have the most beautiful cinematic followed up by one of the... It's an easy boss fight, but it's not supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to be cinematic. It, you have a hundred different Manta Rays plus the huge-ass Storm King in there, and if you have headphones on, you just hear their cries coming through your your headphones, and it's it's fucking epic. There's and it's such a cliche word to use for something like this, but there's no other word I can I can think of right now that describes this boss fight. It's 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 cinematic. It's it's huge. It's uh, visceral. Watching all these manta rays fall before you as this giant fucking storm king comes and he just you your screen is vibrating because it's making such a loud noise. It's uh it's jaw dropping is the one of the only words I can use to describe that fight when you first. It's a shame it. we fucked out the term epic uh, like ten twelve years ago uh, so that you couldn't just say epic and it mean what it used to. Yeah. Because now epic can also mean look at the size of this hammer. Yeah. It's like it's like watching <laughs> the ride of the Rohirrim for the first time in theaters. It's like that kind of feeling that like whole oh, this like this is something special right here. Wow. Uh, so honorable mention. Uh, and I think this might be an honorable mention for you too. Is the Hell House in Final Fantasy VII? Uh, yes and no. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Overhyped. Uh, no, I had no idea this this fight was coming. So you're fighting your way through a bunch of punks and losers in this like gladiator arena, and the guy's like, "Okay, now for the big finale, you fight a literal house." And I also think that's one of the first real skill checks uh, in that game as well. Yeah. Okay, to make sure if you. If, if we're going down that road, then uh, other shout out to the best moment in gaming: fucking cloud dancing in Final Fantasy VII remake. That shit was great. Oh no! Yeah. Fucking awful. <laughs> okay, what's your actual best moment? <laughs> uh, working together with my wife to get a five star island in Animal Crossing. Uh, working together, deciding where things are going to go, laying out the town, being like, "Oh, we got some more houses to build. Let's build them over here." Uh, both, you know, gardening and stuff like that on that island. Uh, that was that was something we both worked towards this year. And the first time you hear you got the five star island, it's a, you know big high five moment. And uh, and that's it. Most disappointing game, Reed. Uh, not much to say about this one. I think you're gonna have the same one as me, and that's Last of Us Part Two. Uh, when I look at disappointing, disappointing should mean to me anyway that I have a certain level of expectations going into it and they went far below that and that would define Last of Us Part 2. Uh, if you were curious about to my reasonings, go check out our Last of Us Part 2 episode. <laughs> <laughs> you're just throwing, you're just plugging like old podcasts. What? Like, <laughs> it's like, go listen to me last like, week we don't have go that listen much, to me four months ago. We don't have that much time and I can't, I can't get back into it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my miss. We we can we can also cut this off and just do the rest of them next week. There's no fucking rules. You're putting Virgil on your best uh, best new character. We can do whatever we want. Uh, my most disappointing game is not The Last of Us Two because I was not to be disappointed. Reed, I have to first be appointed. I didn't understand why they would make a sequel to that game. I didn't want it. I thought the story had been told, and lo and behold, look at what they managed to cobble together. 
Uh, oh, oh, by the way, The Last of Us 2 is now the most winningest game of the year game of all time, having eclipsed Witcher 3 by one award as oh, of this no. weekend. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Uh, but my most disappointing game is easily Cyberpunk 2077. Holy fuck. Yeah. If you want to hear uh, my thoughts on, on that. Uh, listen, even... Even this game working properly, like top to bottom, if there weren't the, the glitches and the bugs, and uh, just what was presented to us was what was presented to us, uh, the way these side stories just cut off, the way the game uh, forces you into a, a state of uh, your main character being sick or dying that we also encountered in like RDR2, and how that kind of shoehorns the plot into a corner uh, and makes a lot of the stuff you do on the peripheries don't me- not mean anything uh, it's it's got a lot of problems. We've been talking about Cyberpunk for fucking weeks, so I won't I won't bore you any further. Uh, go back and listen to that, and we'll have our mega Cyberpunk ep- episode. And I've been really thinking introspectively on on Cyberpunk and like how in the first two episodes we're just gushing about this game. Like, look at all the stuff that they give you all at once. It's like we opened up a a, a door to Adventure City or something like that. Like, look at the ball pits and all the things we can climb. Oh my god! And then uh, a couple hours pass, and uh, like you want to go back into the ball pit. Nah, you want to go climb up that wall again? Nah, is there? Oh, it's over. Uh, we gotta go home now. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I felt on Cyberpunk, and I think it's a it's a beautiful thing we did. Uh, and that podcast will be a funny up and down, but we're gonna cut it off early because uh, I have a lot to say on the worst ongoing series genre thing. So we're gonna do worst on- ongoing series genre next week with biggest news story. Uh, and then most anticipated game as well. And then we're going to go into our top seven and allot ourselves a little more time. Reed, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. No, yeah, thank you. Uh, so we'll be <laughs> back next week with the rest of our game of the year at Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. Lee at uh, iceberg.com is me on email. Questions, topics, leave them wherever you see this post. And if they're interesting enough, we might include them in the show. Stay tuned for the rest of game of the year. Stay tuned for our Cyberpunk mega episode. And of course, Sultans of Slam coming up this weekend talking about AEW. For myself and Reed, that's uh, the Public Beta Podcast. Thank you for signing up.